Well, this morning I want to finish a series that we started a number of weeks ago entitled, Why I? We've talked about why I believe, why I belong, why I give. Last week, Pastor Mike preached a masterpiece on why I serve. This morning, I want to talk with you about why I go. This isn't a, this isn't a message where I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do. It's not a message to try to pressure you or push you. I want to talk to you about my journey and why I go. One of the most often quoted scriptures is what we know as the Great Commission, which tells us, therefore. I love, I love that word, therefore. If you look all throughout scripture, you'll find this word, therefore. And oftentimes what we'll do is we'll focus on what comes after the therefore. And we, and we miss out on what's amazing before the therefore. And, and Jesus makes a statement. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He is the resurrected Messiah. I have all authority. I hold the keys. Therefore, go and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And and be confident in this. Know this. And lo, I, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. God, we thank you for your word. We ask that you you would make it a lamp to our feet, a light into our path. God, help us to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 28, we, we have this command to go. I don't go out of duty. I, I don't go out of obligation. I don't go because I've been drafted. Let me tell you why I go. I've been a Christian for 34 years. As near as I can count, I've been in 7,128 church services. That's a lot of communion wafers. I can't begin to imagine how many times I have sang just as I am. Those of you that grew up Baptist, you can relate. Those of you who did not grow up Baptist, you should be aware that Scripture says, repent and be Baptist, for all have sinned and fall short of the assemblies of God. (laughs) I've sang everything from Wesley to Fanny Crosby to... Hill Songs, Israel Houghton, Planet Shakers. I'm appreciative of the Christian heritage that I have. I'm, I'm thankful that I've been able to, to raise two children in the church. And yet I remember. I remember what it was like to grow up in a home where there was not even a concept of the presence of God. And and that's why I go. I I remember 
what it was like to see the clock say 5 p.m. and know that my stepfather had just gotten off work and wonder whether he was coming home sober or drunk and the violence that would follow. And so I go. I can remember being asleep in a bed, or pretending to be asleep in a bedroom as, as my parents screamed at one another. And so I go. I remember coming home from school day after day after day with absolutely no food in the house, unsure of where our next meal would come from. That's why I go. I remember walking down the street late at night, seeing a police cruiser come by and wondering if they knew the crime I just committed. That's why I go. I remember being in a hospital bed on a cold and rainy night, having just been hit by a drunk driver, and God speaking to me. And my life in that moment being forever changed. That's why I go. Because of what God has done in my life, because of who he's allowed me to become, because of the, the joy and peace that fills my day, instead of anxiety and anger and grief and doubt. That's why I go. I don't go because a Bible verse tells me I have to. I go because a Bible verse tells me I get to. Two Sundays ago, I sat on my back porch Great opportunity early evening to have some study time. As I began to read, my neighbors got caught up in an argument that quickly regressed into a vicious fight, words coming out of their mouth at maximum volume that no one should ever speak. And I instantly was transported back in time and remember what it was like to grow up in that home. And I thought about their little girl. Was she pretending to be asleep in the bedroom? Or was she there with a front row seat as mom and dad viciously attacked one another? That's why I go. 
just about the time that subsided. I can hear gunshots ringing out in the distance. And I know as beautiful as Orlando is, it's a city with amazing need. I grew up in a house, no exaggeration, where the Lee County Sheriff would be parked outside our house 24 hours a day, seven days a week because of the criminal activity that was going down. I've watched the drug deals take place in my backyard. And I know what's happening in the world around us. And there's something that is deep within me that has to respond. Mark Batterson tells this story in his book, All In, of a gentleman by the name of Joshua Chamberlain. Joshua is a name that not too many people would know. And in fact, had you, had you met him, he probably early on wouldn't have seemed noteworthy to you. He was a college professor in the mid-1800s. And he watched firsthand as his country went from having discord to being literally torn apart, ravaged by a civil war. And as so many others around him, so many of the teachers that he served alongside, as, as they sought out ways to avoid military service, as, the, as they looked for opportunities to be able to, to dodge the draft, Chamberlain spoke out passionately that we have to do something, we have to engage, we have to right the wrongs that are happening in the nation around us. And, and not only did Chamberlain not avoid the draft, he asked for a leave of absence from his teaching position, and he went and joined the Union Army. Because of his education, they wanted to put him in a high-ranking position. He said, I don't know anything about military, I know nothing about war, don't put me in charge of people. So they put him in at a much lower rank, but because of who he is, he quickly made his way up to the rank of colonel. And in 18, July of 1863, he was leading the 20th Regiment. He and his group of soldiers, they were put on the far left side of a line that the Union Army had set up to push back the Confederate Army. Being on the far left side, Chamberlain was given this directive by Colonel Vincent. Whatever you do, you cannot let this ground be taken. It was an area called Little Round Top, and if Little Round Top fell to the Confederate Army, it would give them an opportunity to come in behind the Union Army. And it would give them a position above the Union Army, and the Union Army would know absolute defeat. The first wave of Confederate soldiers came. The 20th stood their ground and pushed them back. The second wave came. The third wave came. In fact, in the midst of this, Chamberlain himself was shot. Fortunately, he was hit right in his belt buckle. 
knocked down, got back up, and continued to fight. When everyone else, actually when wise military strategy would say to move back your line, Chamberlain for some reason gave the command to charge. And they did a maneuver called the wheel, and they came around, and this small regiment that had lost actually most of their men captured 20,000 Confederate soldiers. And this battle that happened on a hill outside of a little village called Gettysburg, it changed the course of a war, and it changed the history of a nation. Sometime later, Chamberlain was given the Medal of Honor, and in that, he was asked, what possessed you to do what you did? And he said this, he said, the men that served with me, they were not fortunate enough to serve with somebody who had military ability. He said, I was just a very stubborn person. And I had deep within me the inability to do nothing. And the fabric of our nation was determined by one man who recognized that deep within him, he had the inability to do nothing. And for me, that's why I go. Because deep within me, therefore, in view of God's mercy, it just makes sense to offer myself as a living sacrifice. And here's what I'm confident of. I'm confident that that's true, not just for me, but I'm confident that if you'll listen to the voice of God that's speaking to you right now, that that same thing is true for you. And when we understand what this issue of the Great Commission is, and when we understand who we are, and appreciate who God is and what Jesus has done for us, therefore, therefore, in view of God's mercy, all authority I have, therefore, go. And and here's what I love. We can be confident in our going. We can be confident in our going because here's what we find. We find this, that in, in, in this great commission, in Matthew chapter 28, we're reminded of the fact that we're compelled to go. That's what Jesus says there. He says, listen, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to teach them everything that I have commanded you. Teach them everything that I have commanded you. Well, what Jesus has taught the disciples, he's taught the disciples through this journey that they've had, this relationship that they've had. Because Jesus has walked with them, because Jesus has taught them and demonstrated to them the life that they can live, the destiny that they can experience, all that they can achieve. He says, what? What I've modeled in your life, what I've taught in your life, what I've instructed in your life, this is what I want you to impart to others. 
And because of this interaction that we've had and because of this investment that God has made in us, the love that He's demonstrated for us, right? That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians why he said this, the love of Christ compels us. It compels us. That's what love does. I'm convinced of this, friends. It's impossible for the love of God to be in your life and you not be compelled. I don't go because I'm told. I go because it it just seems like the only response to who God is and and what he's done, the difference that he's made in my life and the difference that he's made in your life. I'm, I'm compelled. And and, and that, that compelling that you sense, that drawing that you sense, recognize that that's, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. That's the Holy Spirit even, even wooing you. Because you're connected. See, you're not just compelled, you're also connected. I, I, I can be confident. I, there can be a boldness in, in, in my going. There can be a boldness in your going. Because you're, just not, you're not just compelled, you're connected. The fact that Jesus said, and know this, I am with you always. I love the fact that over and over again, woven throughout the Gospels, he says this, in my name, use my name. I'm I'm there with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You have this promise of the presence of God. It's the reason why he he tells them in, in those last days that they're together, he says, listen, I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the power that was promised. Because when you're connected with me, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible for those who believe, for those who walk. Right? If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if that dwells in you, it will energize you. And so I know I don't go in my own wisdom. I don't go in my own ability. I don't go in my own gifting. I don't go in my own strength. But I go in the power and the anointing and the wisdom and the understanding of the God who created me. And so I can be confident in this going because I'm compelled to go. The love of God draws me in this, and it's a, it's a natural and a healthy thing. And because I'm connected with him, he's got me every step of the way. And I'm not just, I'm not just connected. I'm, I'm commissioned. All authority... All authority in heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven and on earth. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because far too often what we do is we're real good with what Jesus is capable of doing in heaven. But we tend to be a little bit hesitant on surrendering our days on earth to him. We're comfortable that he has secured for us an eternal destiny, but we're not so confident about him handling that issue with our boss. We're comfortable that we're going to have a mansion just over the hilltop and the people that we sit beside in church, that a portion of them will see there. 
it's a little bit awkward when we have to when we have to present in any way kingdom principles to my neighbor who doesn't understand my language, who is kind of freaked out about our culture. All authority in heaven and on earth. So I can I can walk not not with arrogance. But I can walk with with confidence. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9. He said this. He said that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, He gives you everything you need for every good work. I find that to be a pretty inclusive statement. All things at all times, everything you need for every good work. He's got you. Because you're called. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I tell you this so that my joy may be in you and that joy be complete. Because you're called. You're called. Right? The operative word that we tend to focus on in the Great Commission is go. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want, you to talk, I want to talk to you about this issue of go. But my hope is this. My hope is, as we bring this to a close this morning, my hope is this, is that I can give you a little bit different perspective. And, and let me go a little bit geeky on you this morning. Let's talk a little bit about the, the original wording, the, the Bible in, in, in its original language. We read it in English. It wasn't written in English. It's written in Hebrew and Greek. And in the, orig- the Old New Testament and Greek, in the original Greek, the word for go, it's not the dominant word in that sentence. The dominant word in that sentence is make disciples. It wasn't go and make disciples. It's the equivalent. It's the equivalent of, sir, your wife calling you and saying, on your way home, stop and get milk. Did she tell you, come home? No. She said, as you're coming home, stop and get milk. When Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples, that, that sentence could have also very appropriately been written this way. As you're going along, make disciples. Here's the mistake that we've made when it comes to the Great Commission, and here's the mistake that we've made when it comes to this issue of going. We've made going an event, not a lifestyle. Let me say that again, because I want it to sink deep into the recesses of your heart and your mind. I want it to hit you at soul level. We've made going an event, not a lifestyle. And so what we will do is we'll plan these evangelism activities. We'll, We'll plan these services but it's supposed to be a lifestyle. 
And it's supposed to be going from neighbors to nations. In fact, I have a, a friend that's here this morning, and, and uh, I so appreciate the ministry that he's connected with. And I knew this. I knew I, I couldn't talk about this issue of going without, without having him talk about what he does. And so, Jeff, I'd, I'd like for you to join me. For those of you that don't know Jeff, uh, Jeff Anderson, great guy. Um, he's part of the leadership team for Convoy of Hope. I have uh, I've been in some interesting places with you. Probably the most noteworthy is we traveled around Port-au-Prince, Haiti. We saw some of the 60,000 children that Convoy feeds every day in Haiti. We went to sites where you provide clean water. Jeff, you go to some pretty interesting places, but you definitely go. Why? Well, I want you to take a couple of moments, and I want you to talk to the people about why. Why do you do what you do? Because you left the security of pastoring a great church in South Dakota. Life was easy to, to really be on the front lines of this thing go. Why? First of all, I want to say thank you. Pastor Ed for just having me this morning, and good morning. Um, I go because um, the need is great, and the call has been on my life since uh, as a child. But honestly, really the true heroes are pastors and missionaries. I connect the dots and take people and leadership teams, but at the end of the day, this has been part of who I am. Uh, made some mistakes along the way. Thankful there's redemptive people in my world and in my life that still believe that God can use you. And so this morning, I just wanted to share, uh, Pastor Ed, I told him I was going to be in town. I'm in for, for the uh, general council and, and running the convoy booth. And he just said, just take a few minutes. And so really, to illustrate this, uh, what we do at convoy is we're Jesus with skin on. In 20 years, we've served 70 million people and see 500,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, yesterday, in Minneapolis and Wichita, we saw 10,500 honored guests right here in America come together because the need is the call, Pastor Ed. Americans need Jesus, so we go to America. Yesterday in 11 nations, we served 148,000 kids, the only hot meal that they will receive. I was in El Salvador uh, just two weeks ago, and I was in Haiti three weeks ago, and our missionaries and our pastors and leadership are doing a phenomenal job because somebody goes, somebody prays, somebody gives, somebody sends, and ultimately somebody has to go, but you're part of that equation. Why do I go? Because... A guy named Mark Buntain sat across the table from me in 1985 at a minister's breakfast in San Leandro, California, at, ironically, Calvary Church in San Leandro. And um, he looked at me after he shook my hand. He said, what's your name, boy? Only Mark Buntain could do that. And so I said, my name's Jeff Anderson. And he said, well, my name's Mark Buntain. 
he said, I'm a missionary to India. And immediately, I am overwhelmed with the presence of God as he pours into the pastors there, raising funds for a hospital called the Mission of Mercy. And he said, I flew all the last two days to come back. And he said, uh, Jeff, God's doesn't have a, God doesn't have a big place for you. And God doesn't have a small place for you. God has the right place for you. And he said, so be in the right place and stay in love with Jesus and you'll fulfill his plan for your life. Why do I go? I go because the call is on and people matter and the need is great. Here's one reason why I go. To be Jesus with skin on. A lady named Madame Celeste in Saint-Jacques, Port-au-Prince, we were just there. It's a non-denominational, French-speaking, Haitian Creole singing, tongue-talking, non-denominational church in the hills that seats 200 but has 800 people jammed in the church. I preached at this church. Uh, the first hour was music, the second hour was testimonies, the third hour was preaching, and the fourth hour was the altar call. So any timing that we have going on here, Ed, today, I mean, this is just a, a blink of an eye uh, compared to that service. And uh, a lady was on the back row. Afterwards, she came forward, and we had an altar call. It was a beautiful thing. People were saved and healed, and God just moved. And she said, I'd like to speak to you. I said, great. She goes, are you with Convoy of Hope? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. I have a team here. We're rebuilding a school down the hill, and we just decided to come to church here, and the pastor asked me to preach. She got right up into my face and into my nose, and she goes, thank you for coming to Haiti. And I said, you're welcome. Tell me your story. She said, five years ago, we had an earthquake in my nation. It killed 250,000 people in 45 seconds, and it rocked our nation to its knees. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you were here. You gave out food. And my family hiked down the hill to this little church and got bags of groceries every Friday afternoon. We just decided to stay for church on Friday, because they had church seven nights a week in Haiti. They didn't get the memo that you're only supposed to have church on Sunday and Wednesday. So Every night at 7 o'clock, someone preaches, someone sings, someone gives an altar call, church is over, they have a little snack, they go home. She said, for weeks we came and got food, and we would sit on the back row. And pretty soon my family started to get interested, but I mocked the preacher. She said, I couldn't stand what he was saying. I said, what was he saying? He said, well, he was talking about Jesus and the cross and the blood of Jesus. She said, it was so offensive to me. Wow, you know how you get a moment where you just kind of take a step back from a person and something in the back of your head, just kind of hairs fly up on the back of your neck? And I said, ma'am, tell me, what, why were you offended? She said, I was the black mamba of this region. I'm the most powerful voodoo priestess. And she said, God, two months into this, had me at an altar being delivered from six demons and she said, today, I'm your sister in Jesus Christ. She goes, thank you for coming to Haiti. Why do I go? Oh, the story's not over. The needs, the call, people matter. But here's the reason I go. Because Madame Celeste decided to burn up all her voodoo stuff and 
take a big cut in pay because she was getting very wealthy off of uh, voodoo. She went to the pastor, Pastor Baptiste Voltaire, the pastor, and said, Pastor, I'd like to start a Bible study. He said, fine, madam. He said, uh, where would you like? And he said, I'll have it here, and it'll be in our village up the hill, about 45-minute hike. He said, great, I'll send a pastor. Pastor Jessner is going to come. Pastor Jessner shows up, and there's about 80 people sitting on the porch of Madame Celeste's home to start a Bible study. Two weeks ago on Sunday, they started their second church plant off of that church with nearly 500 people in St. Jacques too, because, here's the reason why, this is the reason you go, because Jesus is still changing lives, saving souls, and a bag of groceries is what she came for, and now she's, God's bringing transformation to her village. So we go at Convoy, we, I go just as uh, a child of God, and you go in your world where God has placed you. And I just want to encourage you today. And Pastor Ed, you know I love you. I love your pastor's heart for missions and the planet and people. And we have a lot in common in that department. But let me tell you, you are more important than you realize in the lives of people, your family and your friends. I'm thankful for a young man named Darren Glenwinkle, a hardcore fundamentalist redneck Baptist that shared Jesus Christ with me when I was 18 years old. I had just graduated from high school. And he looked at me and he said, Anderson, God loves you and has a plan for your life. That's what Baptists are supposed to say, right? And I'm telling you, three years ago, I preached his funeral. The kid that led me to Jesus. And Darren went to Pinot Valley High School. Little did I know that God would open up the doors to the world and churches in America to share his love with. And so you go. I've told you why I've gone. God bless you. Jeff, on the 8th of November, we're going to ask the Calvary family to give one day of their annual salary. One day of their annual salary. It's really not very much. But it's amazing what happens when we all do it together. To give to Convoy. Because that's one of the ways that we can go. You're called. And when you understand it's supposed to be woven into the fabric of your life, it changes the way that you live. One of the scriptures that that resounds to me is let your light so shine. Let your light shine in such a way. See, here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned that when, when this idea of going is just an event, when it's just something that we do, it's, it's, the, it's the equivalent of this. I can turn this light on. I want you to do this. Take, down the, take, take all the lights down in front here. Can you do that for me? Take them all off. Come on. Push some button back there, George. Keep going. It's okay. I've got a flashlight. All right, sir, I could come up to you right now and I could say, come on, let me, let me show you the way. And I can use this light to guide us. 
Or what I could do is I could shine this light in your eyes and tell you about the light. If I use this light and I put it out in front of you, your natural reaction is going to be to follow. If I shine it at you, your natural reaction is going to be to retreat. And here's what I've found. i found that because we don't understand the Great Commission, we tend to shine our light a lot at people instead of letting our light shine for people. My neighbors that were in that violent confrontation, they don't need me to shine my light at them. But they're living in a very dark place in a very dark world. And they need me to shine my light for them. That's why I go. I know this, that much like me, you can go ahead, George, you can go ahead and bring the lights back up. Much like me, there's a young man somewhere in your neighborhood that he watches every afternoon. He watches that clock because he knows that a parent's coming home and he doesn't know if that parent is coming home sober, drunk, or stoned. And the hell that he will experience depending on the disposition of that parent or that older sibling. That's why we go. Somewhere in your neighborhood, there's a couple that are they're, they're just constantly at one another. They need the way illuminated to them, the, the way to Jesus illuminated to them. That's why you go. You heard the story of one woman in Haiti. That story of unreached people groups around the world. That's why we go. Because I recognize what God lifted me out of. I, I recognize the world that I once lived in. And I'm thankful that almost 34 years ago that, that God in His grace that He lifted me out of that. Not to a bunch of rules and regulations, not to a bunch of tasks, but to an amazing journey, life-changing journey. How can I not share that with others? How can you not share that with others? Here's what I have found. I might not be the smartest person in the world. You could have heard more intelligent, more eloquent people speak this morning. Here's what I am. I'm just a very stubborn person that has deep within me the inability to do nothing. And just like one man, Joshua Chamberlain, that disposition in him, it, it changed the course of a nation. I believe this. I believe that in you and I, we have the ability to change 
our world, if we just have an understanding of that which is within you, that inability to do nothing. I will never go back to what my life was like before Jesus. And I'm determined to take as many people forward with me as possible.